0: The Money Show. Other people's money. One of my favorite communicators used to be a boss on this radio station. Mike Wills, many, many years ago was the program what came out many, many, just many, years ago, was the program manager at 702 in a very, very difficult time of South Africa's political transition. And he governed the radio station with a firmness and a fairness and a, a an insight that very, very few people would have had at the time. And i uh, always be grateful to him for that. And then he went to set up Cape Talk. He presented its breakfast show and later went into the advertising trade. He recently hung up whatever it is you hang up when you're an advertiser, but I do hope you'll continue to do radio shows on Cape Talk long into the future. And um, there's an old phrase, Mike, and it's 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 there's uh, well, it goes slowly, slowly, then suddenly, and that's often how things work in radio stations. Do you feel that about stepping back from nine to five employment after working for so many years, and suddenly it's upon you that you've given up your your sort of main source of income, your nine to five em- employment
1: good evening bruce yeah i'm glad you just used one many there rather than the many (laughs) many many years that you used this time out good to be with you yeah it's a little bit like that although it's it comes you you're amazed that the the numbers click over and they get to be some very big numbers on your birthday and when it's 65 you start to think well hang on that was a time when the previous generation hung everything up and went off to pasture on their pension from their company and 65 was an incontrovertible year uh, but I've kept working. I'm doing a bit of this and that. But I did feel it was a time that, yeah, you start to tail away in your working life and do other things. And I, I feel it came more gently uh, than suddenly. And it's a very interesting thing. I don't like the retirement word. I'm oversensitive about it. As you should be. I'm not be. retired. Hmm. No, I'm not, not retired.
0: No, as you're not.
1: I'm doing you're not. You're not retired. I'm doing that. <laughs> I now call it my drawdown phase, um, which which sounds a little bit more uh, gentle, but what it what it does mean and what is incontrovertible is you get to this point in your life where you are using what money you have you have provided. You are no longer going to be having income that exceeds your expenses. And that is a big psychological moment when suddenly you're looking and saying, well, what I've got is, what I've got. And you're dealing with that enough question that that you often deal with on the show uh, with your personal financial advisors who talk to you. And suddenly you have to deal with it and and be confident in what you have. Did you sort
0: of set a target? I mean, did you hit 65 and go, okay, it's time? Or did you sort of get to 60 and go, by the time I'm 65, 66, I really need to be winding down? Uh, Had you planned for this moment or did it sort of come upon you and you go, well, Yeah, I'll probably be okay, so let's step back.
1: I think it's a more gentle process than that. No, I don't think there was a plan, but I think I always understood that I was keen not to be working full-time for too long, and it does bring a heightened sense of what your finances have, and I got some reassurance uh, that there was enough there, but it is a big step. It's a psychological step. Uh, to not have income matching outgoings any longer and knowing that's, unless you're very fortunate, that's the way it's going to be.
0: Um, and also to be okay with it, um, to understand that you have provided for yourself, but like so many other people in media and no names, no pactrels, um, the, the notion of, fan- of, of, of say <laughs> family planning, financial planning uh, came quite light, late in life.
1: Yeah, family planning as well. I think for most journalists, um, true. Yes, look, I, I I think having having children is 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 the moment that I would define as realizing that I had to become a financial grown up. I, I had a very privileged background, both childhood um, and and early adulthood, so I didn't have any particular financial strains apart from uh, one where I chose to give myself some stress, and we can talk about that later on. Sure. So. I was cruising thinking the day always looked after itself fairly well. But then when you're having children and your partner has to or in in our case chose to give up a substantial income stream and you realize, well, OK, now we need to look at this quite seriously. What does the next 20 years of these children look like? And then suddenly, what does the years beyond work look like? So I would think I really started to focus when I had kids and that was around the age of 35.
0: Yeah, And again, that's quite a late start for many people as well, 35 to start having kids, and then you spread them out over, over several years. Um, and by then, 35 is quite late to start thinking about money. And it's one of the regrets you do express um, in a piece that you wrote, uh, I think it's on the Bright Rock website that you you wrote about sort of coming to this realization that you need to start thinking about your finances.
1: Yeah, I think in an ideal world, we'd all go back and and listen to the advice that, you know, what the effect of compound interest and all that and start putting stuff away. Look, I had invested in property. I did have some things going for me. It wasn't a blank slate. No. But I think it's more a matter of thinking about it in a very conscious and deliberate way and saying, okay, how am I going to pay for this family? How we, my partner and I collectively, how are Helen and I going to make all this a reality and do the things we want to do and have some stuff left of the end. There were things in place, but I hadn't really framed them in terms in the long term. And that's what it forced me to do.
0: Because I've been reading a long list of your mere culpas about the mistakes that you've made. And one of the strongest that comes through time and time again in, in your writing is the cost of investing. You weren't applying yourself and I don't think at the time at the time that you were 35 that people were giving that much attention frankly to the cost thing so I don't think you should beat yourself up about it but in retrospect you look at what you've spent on investing and if you had the time or the inclination I think you'd be quite shocked to do as to how much you did spend
1: Oh yeah I, I would hate I would hate to do the calculation and also being very um, not being focused enough on the investments not paying attention, not asking questions. Uh, my wife Helen is much better at that and she's pushed me to do that. I tend to be way too trusting and just think, well, I've made that investment, I'll park it off for 20 years and it will be all right. But you have to pay attention, you have to watch and you have to ask what the commissions are. And that's the sort of thing, yeah, I wish I had been much more diligent about. I I wish I still, even to this day, I wish I was a bit more uh, alert to that stuff. But on the other side of it, I was with you know, reputable financial advisors and reputable financial houses. So that that was the reason why you felt you could trust the system maybe more than I should have.
0: Yeah, I mean and there is one regret. I think it's that is the regret is not paying that much attention. I don't think you, you you regret sort of focusing a bit late and all of that sort of stuff, but it's the the opportunity cost, the performance fees, those sorts of things. You did learn a critical lesson from your dad and it's a sad story and I hope you don't mind repeating it here. It's an important story. It's an important story.
1: Yeah, my father my father was a, a businessman um and he he had inherited considerable wealth as had my mother I had a very privileged childhood in Sydney um, and he retired from work early with Parkinson's and set up an elaborate I don't know what it was tax shelter Bruce something a family company um, which was meant to I think uh, avoid taxes and I, I remember there were always documents that he and my mother were signing and we were apparently a family company i didn't understand what this meant i was 12 13 at the time and uh, later on in life when he was very ill and not really capable of looking after things well the australian high court ruled against these tax schemes said they were illegal and everybody had to pay back all the tax they'd um, they'd avoided and my father became convinced that he was bankrupt at a point in his life when he couldn't do much about Ugh. it, he, he was for the first time in his life thinking, I have no money. And he, he made a plan in the end and it was all sort of sorted out. But it was, ter- it, was, it was very alarming for me to see the impact that had on him. And as a result, I am very conservative about tax and always have been. And I'm very wary about uh, tax schemes and, and uh, proposals like that. I, I'd rather pay my tax and know that I'm safe and secure and no one's coming for me and that it's not a schmuckle. And I also have, I think in South Africa, I don't want to get on my high horse, but I think those of us that have income do need to pay our tax. I think it's pretty critical that we pay the whack. We're not trying to duck duck it and dive it. So that sort of helps me to justify my, my intense conservatism on the matter of tax.
0: Uh, and it also leads to better you know, nights of sleep and it uh, leads to uh, sort of I'm sure I'm sure a healthier Uh, as a healthier outcome. I mean, the horror stories you hear of people who don't pay their taxes, who do get caught out, and the disruption and the dislocation and the problems that it causes them are really not worthwhile. Mike Wills, ex-radio and advertising guy, is our Make Money Monday's guest this evening. The story of how he went into business. He leveraged a property. He took risk, and it was stressful, and it was scary. And I wonder whether he regrets now like Ronald Wayne, the guy who gave up 10% of Apple when he was in his mid-30s. Um, and then I'll tell you the quote from Ronald Wayne in just a little bit, uh, but Mike Wills is our guest this evening. The Money Show. Other people's money. I don't know if you know the story of Ronald Wayne. He is like the the the, the Beetle. everybody's forgotten. Uh, what is his name? Pete Best. Um, and uh, Ronald Wayne was brought in as the adult supervision for... Steve Jobs and for Steve Wozniak in the early days of Apple and he was given 10 percent of Apple shares and a couple of months into his uh, assignment he capitulated he gave back the shares he said you guys are nuts I don't believe that this is going to work and I think you're taking too much risk and I've got a mortgage and I've got uh, obligations you guys can have the shares um, and he gave up ten percent of Apple, which today would be worth two hundred billion dollars. I don't think you did that in London, Mike Wells, but you did get
1: into business. <laughs> Bruce, my, yeah. my story bears no similarity to that one. <laughs> but, but um, you no, did
0: I, get involved I, with I, it, a mate it, it, setting up a TV business. Yeah,
1: I did. Uh, it was. It, it was. I ran against the grain. I, I was. I was a bit risk averse, and I was always taught as a kid, you know, child, don't get into debt. And um, a friend, a a very adventurous entrepreneurial friend, uh, decided in 1983 that he wanted to set up a freelance television news company in London. There was a lot of demand for freelance TV crews. And he didn't have any money and he was chatting to me and I said, oh, okay, I will i don't quite know what inspired me, but I thought it's time for something different. So I gave up my sort of conventional TV news career and joined him. And my flat in London was the collateral by which we uh, raised some money, and how we raised some money is another story. But having got the money, we went on a three-year journey together, and I learned in that three-year journey, which was reasonably successful without, uh, without becoming the massive media empire we both imagined, uh, that I wasn't an entrepreneur, and it was nothing to do with skill set or ability or anything like that. I think being an entrepreneur is a lot to do with mindset, and to do with temperament and to have the ability to fail and get back up and go again and to have the ability not to be intimidated by a very serious number of noughts in the debit column in your bank statement. And you know, I, I get a bit grumpy with people who say, we well, need to teach everyone to be entrepreneurs. And I, I think, well, everybody can't be entrepreneurs. Otherwise, the, the economy would atomize. They do have to be people who do uh, the work for other people and work with instructors, and our are academics, and doctors, and journalists, and other people who are not entrepreneurs. But, and the other thing that I learned, and this is the key part of the story, is that you can only be an entrepreneur if you've got that cast iron stomach. Uh, whereas if you're a bit like me, and you're looking at that bank statement, having raised 60,000 pounds, and you're looking at that bank statement when it used to come through by post every month, and every time you saw it, you didn't sleep uh, for a night because you knew that that money was a hole against which your entire life savings were, were, were pinned, And uh, it was a good experience. It was a challenging time. And we worked very hard. And I could see my partner was happy to keep it going and didn't see the problems. And I tended to see the problems and found it difficult. And so a three-year education taught me I'm not an entrepreneur.
0: Do you have any regrets at not continuing in the business? Because I think it became quite successful and continued to be quite successful.
1: No, it was it, it was a, it was a moderately successful business. No, it didn't it didn't do anything particularly uh, spectacular. And no, I didn't. I, I I took that as my school fees. It was a really interesting experience where I got out of my comfort zone for three years, uh, worked very much on my own, um, off to my own account, and learnt yeah, okay, in future, that's not where I'm going to go. But I think it was a good experience. Uh, but raising the money was was very amusing, Bruce, because briefly, I mean, we went in asking for £30,000, which was a very tight budget, and I'd dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's, and we nobody would give us the money. And the fourth bank manager we saw said to me, actually, um, uh, look, I like what you guys are doing, but I can't help you. What you should do is double the money you're asking for. And I went, what? And he said, no. Then it'll go up higher up the chain to someone with more flexibility, uh, more authority to do what they want to do. I just have to follow certain rules. You don't meet them. And my partner needed no second invitation to add several <laughs> Concord flights and an extra Volvo <gasps> and something else to the, to the budget. So we padded the hell out of it. And the first person who went to said, fine. So it was a very interesting lesson in the strange ways of banks. And and their rules and regulations, and it was a a micro version of the uh, get a loan that's big enough to be not your problem but the bank's problem, uh, because we we couldn't meet one early payment, and with this higher amount and this senior manager, he could say fine, because his reputation wouldn't have been great if that loan was pulled. Whereas if it had been a smaller amount, ironically, it would yeah. have been called in. Become that's the bank's strange learning yeah. about the way banks work.
0: Absolutely. Um. Do you? I mean, as as you look ahead now, and you'll you'll have income from writing, and hopefully lots on uh, lots of time in the radio. Um. But as you say, you are beginning the drawdown. You are beginning to spend the money that you've uh, saved and invested over the years. Uh, as you look ahead, I mean, are you? Have you got big plans? Are you going planning to travel the world? Are you planning to take up an expensive wine tasting habit, or or anything like that? Or are you cutting <laughs> cutting back on your uh, on your on your expenditure from that room? regard as well
1: no we're we're we're, we are privileged um and hopefully you know we've worked really hard between us to get into this space but uh, yes is the answer there there are lots of uh, lots of plans and i think a key thing is to really enjoy this time Uh, it i've watched so many people shrink in retirement and become afraid of black swan events and just thinking they haven't got any money and as a result getting fearful about money. And you can understand that when there's no more coming in. And that's what I want to avoid above everything, is, is to remain confident that aside from radical events that I can't really forecast, that I'm okay, not brilliant, but okay, so we should be able to relax and enjoy it and not become one of those shrunken people, as I get on, and I've seen too many people do that, just become very fearful about money uh, when they don't need to be. I I, I accept I'm in a privileged position um, and I I don't want to squander that by becoming sort of miserly and miserable.
0: Thank you, Mike Wills, very, very much for sharing your wisdom with us this evening.